Thank you for tuning into the City Church California podcast. We exist for anyone to believe in God, to become who God created them to be, and to build the church and our city. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast so that you can be updated anytime we add new content. Now let's check out the latest message from our Sunday gathering. Uh, we're in a, a series, we started Vision 2023, and on New Year's Day online, I began to speak about a vision that God had given me in Italy. And I really like the Virgin Mary when she pondered many things in her heart. I think sometimes if we quickly begin to share what God has revealed or imparted or illuminated to us, it's almost like bread that is baked on the outside, but on the inside is not fully cooked. And as we returned home, in August, that dream kept coming through my mind and my heart as I would lay in bed, not only at night or awaken in the morning. And I really feel that that vision is not just for me, it's for us, it's for California. And the Bible says in the last days, the youth will have vision, the elderly or the older will dream dreams. And I believe this is what God is saying. In the vision that passed through my mind, I want to just say that simply, the vision that passed through my mind, I saw an ancient rugged uh, medieval castle, very unlike the castle at Disneyland or Disney World that's really beautified. It was this rugged, strong, Roman-looking castle, and they had three flags, and on each flag, each had a different word. But what I noticed, you see, if there's no wind, then the flags would just lie. They would not be flowing in the wind. If the wind was violent, like it's been with the storm coming off the ocean, then they would have been battered and abused. It would have been tumultuous. But the flags were just flowing very like effortlessly in a gentle breeze. And I knew that the kingdom of that castle represented the kingdom of God. Now, I need to tell you something. God has been impressing on me in America. I think America has probably some of the most anointed communicators. They have the most anointed worship in many ways. However, I do not believe the revival and the renaissance and the outpouring that God is desiring and really has already begun going to come on our nation through just anointed people, but it's people who understand the kingdom of God. I was talking to a local church pastor up in the Northwest who started his church about two years ago. And I said, hear me when I tell you, you cannot do the Lord's work the devil's way. And the greatest way the enemy comes in is a lack of authority in the home, in the church, in America, in our schools. And the kingdom of God is only extended by those who yield to the kingdom of God, the lordship of Jesus Christ. And I realized that that castle represented the kingdom of God. Then that gentle breeze represents the person in the presence in the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit isn't going to be poured out. He's moving right now. And it's a gentle breeze. And I'm telling you all through California, and I have to go even further. I think even the world from Ukraine and London to Nairobi, come on to Canada, to Australia, God is moving in the continents of the earth. And you may not be able to sense, but it is a gentle breeze of the Holy Spirit that brings refreshment and revival. And this outpouring is get me is not only for us right now, it's for our children, our children's children, our children's children.
children's children. This outpouring will affect our great-great-grandchildren who will walk on this earth and live on this earth. I mean, think of Paul and Angel. They're with their grandson. Can I tell you that's how legacy is made? And that is a result of revival and an outpouring. In the three flags that I saw, it was each one of them had a different word. The first word was salvation. And we're going to talk about that today. Next week, we will speak on discipleship. And I want to say we have, in my opinion, some of the greatest young people in the whole state of California in this church, in this service. Yesterday, I met with three young high schoolers. They were in eighth grade running cameras when COVID started. They're now juniors and sophomores. We worked out, we went to Wood Ranch, and I began to disciple them. And can I tell you, I told them, you listen to me. What I'm going to tell you in the next few weeks, it will change your life forever. I want to see people shaped, informed, and transformed by discipleship. Can you say amen? And if I, a leader in this church, are committing to people to do that, I want you to consider that. But we're going to talk about that next week, okay? Then we will end with the sacraments. So here we go. I want to begin to think about the word salvation. And I want you to write this down, okay? Have you ever gotten an invite to a birthday party, a, a, a wedding, an electronic invite? And I believe this is a holy invitation, what I'm sharing with us. And it is not in search for what is trendy, novel, or relevant. Please get this, but that which stood the test of time. I am concerned as I look at the landscape of local churches in our state and nation. It seems like many leaders and church leaders are going after the trendy, novelty, easy, the easiest path forward. But this is something that I'm going to share with us today. Salvation has stood the test of time and it was not originated from the earth, but it was born in the heart of God in the beauty of eternity and salvation is the most glorious thing that God has ever done for all humankind. And I, I, I really believe that. And, and I want to just ask this question, are we ignorant of what the Savior has accomplished for and in us? And if salvation is so great, why aren't we seeing, number one, more people saved? Number two, salvation come to every part of our life. And let me say this, sometimes, have you ever doubted the salvation work of Jesus in your life? Hmm, someone's lying. Well, or not being genuine with themselves. Can I say yes? You say, when's, uh, oftentimes, when do you doubt your salvation? When I do wrong? Or I prayed and asked God last year, I want to uh, be free of this. I want to be free of this. I want to be free of this. And when you live in a bondage, it makes you doubt God's ability to thoroughly, completely save you. How many of you know my, my heart is saved? My, my spirit is saved, but there's still a chance my mouth is very lost. I need my mouth to be saved. I need my thoughts to be saved. I need my attitude to be saved. And I don't care where you're at on the end of your gram, whether you're a one or an eight, all of them need to be saved. Amen? 
You say, well, I'm melancholy. I'm aggressive. I'm not. No, you need to be saved. I don't care who you are, you know? And, and so sometimes I really wonder this, if we are ignorant of his salvation, can I say this? Maybe we doubt his salvation work within us because we have confused who he is by reducing Jesus to just another spiritual leader. I'm doing this to give you time to absorb what I just said. And so I don't mess it up. I'm going to just straight up read it. Okay. Maybe we doubt his salvation. And I have work within me. Why? Because I have confused who he is by reducing Jesus Christ to just another spiritual leader. And I want you to write this question down and then you're going to say it out loud with me. It's going to come on the screen. Who saves me? All right. And you're going to say it with me. Let's read it together online and in person. Who saves me? Let's do it a little bit louder. And can I say salvation is not a formula or created as a person? We should first ask, who is Jesus? Jesus died for everyone and is for everyone. You say, how do you know that? Well, because of the poster at the NFL games, the NBA games, the hockey games, John 3.16. And if you know John 3.16, say it with me. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever, stop right there, that whosoever ever stop right there that I don't care what background you came whosoever finish it with me believes on him (laughs) you guys should know that by heart I kind of went off the train tracks on that one but you got it says God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes come on believes Who saves me? It's not a creed. It's not a formula. It's not a religion. It's not whether I was Catholic, Protestant, I was atheist, Buddhist. No, it's a person. Salvation comes to the person, Jesus Christ. Can you say amen? And we really do believe that. Now, I want to begin to say this. I want you to go to the Bible with me. Go to Acts chapter 4, and I'm going to read verses 8 through 12. And remember, salvation, who saves me? It's a person. Who saves me? It is a person. So go to Acts chapter 4. And this is verse 8. Acts 4 follows Acts 3 where a man who was impaired in his feet from birth. I believe he was at the gate beautiful for about 38 years. And he was miraculously healed. And Peter is addressing how he was made well. So here we go. Then Peter filled with the Holy Spirit. And I believe that's happening right now. Please receive the Holy Spirit as I'm reading this. Receive the Holy Spirit. It's impossible to live for God without the Holy Spirit. It says, Peter filled with the Holy Spirit said to them, rulers of the people and elders of Israel, if this day we are judged for a good deed done to a helpless man, I want you to underline that and maybe write that in your notes, helpless. I could have never saved myself. I was 
helpless. By what means he has been made well. Circle those two words, made well. What is the result of salvation? What is the definition of salvation? That you and I, we would be made well in every area of our lives. Verse 10, let it be known to you all and to all the people of Israel, get this, that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man stands before you whole. Circle the word whole, that is salvation, soltoria in the Greek, which means it's God coming into making something that was fractured and broken whole again. Verse 11, here we go. It says, this is the stone which was rejected by you builders, which has become a chief cornerstone. Look, verse 12 is a key verse that we want to land on. Nor is there salvation, soltoria. And remember the first flag we see is salvation in any other. I want to read that again. Who saves me? Nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men, women, people, the human race by which we must be saved. So who saves me? Say it with me. Who saves me? Let's do it again. Who saves me? It's a person. It is Jesus Christ. Please get this. Jesus, write it down, or at least hear it online and in person. Jesus Christ is not one religious figure among many. Jesus will not share the Messiah stage with anyone because there is no other. Okay? Jesus is not one more philosopher. Jesus is not one more prophet. Jesus is not one more mystic. Jesus is not one more teacher of spiritual truths. Jesus is not a motivational speaker. Let me be clear with you. What makes him to be the only savior? Jesus Christ is the incarnate son of God, meaning he is completely God and fully human. Are you with me on that? He is the incarnate son of God. What Christ accomplished on the cross is savior should, please get this, draw us through the power of his own being into the interior life of God the Father. I don't care what your life is experienced. When you accept Christ as savior, only savior, his person has a power. It is a magnetic force stronger than the law of gravity that will pull you and I right into the heart of the father. And it's that place that we're made from a sinner to a child of God, from someone who's unholy to holy, someone who is broken and blind and confused to someone who can see and walk and live and praise God. Can you say amen? And really, he's the only one who can give us a great salvation. Now, I want you to write this down, okay? I do not believe Peter was degrading other spiritual forms of belief, okay? In Acts 17, he goes to Athens, and he sees an altar. They had many altars to false gods and false spiritual belief system. And he chose the altar of the unknown God, and it's there, he said, I noticed. And you know what? He never put people down 
Paul did not. And we're going to go back to Peter in Acts 4. He said, I notice you're a spiritual people. I think in California, we need to stop degrading people who have different spiritual belief systems. Well, thank you for those two hand claps. Oh, you staunch evangelicals. Come on. We're going to get there. Okay. He was not putting people down. I'm just going to, I wrote this down. So this is what we're going to have to. There are rays of light and hope and truth in many spiritual belief systems. Did you hear what I say? A ray or spark of hope. Maybe in Hinduism, maybe in Buddhism, Judaism, Islam, or non-believers who sincerely follow their own truth. Everyone can experience the fullness of salvation. I think we need to ask ourselves this question and say it out loud. Who saves me? Can I say all those other religions have no power to save us? They're only a slither of the fullness of salvation that only comes in God. And should someone, I'm not saying they superficially embrace a false idea or truth maybe a little isn't it funny the enemy will use a little bit of truth and really cloak it with a lot of false information and ideas and that's why we need the entire bible to begin to reveal to us who jesus is who saves us and what does it mean to be saved can you say amen and, and so I want us to begin to ask this question, what am I saved from? Not only who saves me, but what am I saved from? Will you read it out loud? It's going to come on the screen, online, and here in the room. What am I saved from? Let's do it again. What am I saved from? Well, let me just say this, okay? Go to Matthew. Just go to Matthew if you're there. Matthew chapter 1, verse 21. And we're not being saved from hell. How many of you ever told a family member or friend right when you got born again, if you don't accept Jesus, you're going straight to hell? (laughs) Becky did a lot. No, I'm joking. She did not. I was kind of brutal with my family. When I got born again, I really also got self-righteous. I said, you guys don't accept Jesus like I am. You're going to hell. But I sit before you this morning, mama, my brother, Garland, and Julie, my immediate family is saved. And not one of them will go to hell. Not one. Not one. Are we saved from hell? No. Are we saved from this evil culture? No. Some of you want to be saved from the Republicans. Others most definitely want to be saved from the liberals. No. Listen to what Matthew 121 says, and I love this. And she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name what? Jesucristo. Why? Porque? For he will save his people. Get this. Not from the Republicans, not from Satan, not from a demon, not from hell, not from poverty, but from their sin. From their sin. I have enough of my own I need to be saved from. Let me reword it for us. You will name him Jesus or call him Jesus. Why? For he will save Jude from Jude. Are you with me? I need to be saved from me. 
Not just from hell, not just from the world, not just from demons. I need to be saved from me. And the good news is Jesus has moved in and he has saved me. He's saving me and he will save me. Can you say amen? Can you say amen? Now, let me just begin to tell you, go to Ephesians chapter two. And I want you to, we're going to begin to look at verses uh, two, eight, nine. And I want you to say this, if someone is drowning in the ocean with the storm and the waves and the rain and the wind, and there's a lifeguard and they throw out a life preserver, that sometimes that's how they say we're saved. They give that picture. But the truth is, we were not drowning and Jesus came and saved us. No, we were already dead. We drowned. We were lying at the bottom of the ocean. And so I want to read this. This is Ephesians chapter 2. And I'm going to begin to read in verse 1. And you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sin. Did you get that? You he made alive. You. What are you being saved from? A dead you. A you who had no power to save yourself. This is better than AANA or any anonymous program. We must look to a higher power because we are helpless or powerless to save ourselves from this evil. But we're not looking just to energy. We're looking to the incarnate son of God who is fully God, completely human. He's the one who can come in and resuscitate us. Now, I don't know about you guys, but a couple weeks ago, Becky and I were watching NFL Monday Night Football, and she, those who love you the most respect you the most, so we were watching it together, and it was awesome. Joe Burrow, the quarterback from the Bengal, he threw a great pass, but then this safety from the Bills came. His name's Damar Hamlin. He hit him, and you thought all was well, and he stood up from the ground, in the nation, in the world, if you saw it, it went viral. He just kind of passed out. And you knew something was wrong. And all of a sudden, you start to see grown men cry. And, and, and you could see the fear on their faces. He had a cardiac arrest. They had to resuscitate him. You said, what am I saved from? Not just me, a dead me. A me who had no ability ever to respond to God, conviction, the Holy Spirit, the gospel, the word. I had no ability. Dead people do not respond. I would have been like Damar Hamlin, except it wasn't just nine minutes. I really, for years, I was born a sinner. I sinned. It separated me. I became unresponsive to myself, the world, and most of all, my God. There and all of a sudden, not just medics on an NFL field, holy God, God became a human being, died on a cross, rose on the third day, and that absolutely had the power to not only resuscitate me, but give me a new heart and a new mind and a new life. Come on, our salvation isn't just to be born again, to live like a sinner. I've been saved. I was dead. And like Lazarus, in the tomb more than four days, and I will say what the sisters said of Lazarus. He 
stinketh. Can I tell you, I was stinking in my sin that Jesus has saved me. Can you say, yes, Lord? Can you say, amen? Now, I want to go to this scripture. Stay in Ephesians 2, all right? Because we're going to come right back to that. And we're going to be ending probably in about four minutes, okay? Go to, uh, go to this scripture, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 10. 2 Corinthians, and you say, who saves me? It's Jesus Christ. What am I being saved from? Me, a dead me, a non-responsive me. Okay, and I love this one. Look at 2 Corinthians 1.10. Who has delivered, that's the word salvation, is to be delivered. Who has delivered, that's past tense. Everyone say my past. No, say it again. The way you say it is as if you never had it. Let me tell you one of the greatest games of Satan is to fool a believer after they've been saved not to really fully tell their past. As if you've made your... It's like putting chocolate on a dog's... When he excretes. And saying, that's chocolate. I don't care if it's chocolate or not. There's something wrong on the inside. When people say, oh, I know what Pastor Jew, what he did. I say, yeah, and I know what you did. And your mom's ugly, so be quiet. <laughs> yeah, my mouth now needs to be saved, free. Can I say, I, I never sugarcoat my past. Because if I sugarcoat my past, I will never have the deep well of gratitude to what I was saved from. And it says clearly right here, who has delivered me? So I don't care how many days into this new year you feel like you're taking five steps back. No, you have been delivered. It is past tense. Can you say amen? Let's read the next. Who has delivered us from so great a death? Meaning you weren't just dead. It was a great separation. Who does deliver us? This gives me hope. If he delivered me in the past, he's delivering me right now. Amen. In whom we trust that he will still deliver us. So that's my past. That's my right now. That's my future. And I write this down. 2 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 9. Second, no, 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 no. 2 Timothy. Uh, too many letters in the New Testament. 2 Timothy 1 9. And the band's going to come up. It says who has saved us. How? With a holy calling. Can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? You know why we couldn't hear him? It wasn't God's satellite network was insufficient. Dead people don't hear. I never initiated my salvation. God did. We get this. Jesus Christ, the son of man, came to seek and to save that which is lost. There are a bunch of dead people living amongst us and we should seek them and save them. And almost like someone coming out of surgery in anesthesia, Mr. Fuquay, Mr. Fuquay, Mr. Fuquay, it happened in eighth grade. <laughs> I wasn't looking for God. 
I was looking for myself. I'd been expelled three times in eighth grade. And when he woke me up, I have not been asleep since. You need to come to the encounter. Because if you find yourself falling asleep in the darkness of the times, then you need to be filled with the Spirit. That's what I'll say. Who saves me? The incarnate Son of God. What am I saved from? Me. Now write this last question, then you're going to read it with me. It's going to come on the screen. How am I saved? How am I saved? Let's say it again. How am I saved? I do not believe we're saved by a creed or a path or a spiritual belief. We're saved by a person. What did we say from? A dead, helpless, useless, broken me. And you must know this. How am I saved? Through the gospel, through grace, and through my confession. Maybe God has been moving upon you like that gentle breeze, but the flag of salvation isn't rising because you're trying to find God in ways that are not appropriate to his salvation. He planned salvation, and he also planned our response to that salvation. And so I want you to go to Romans 1.16. Romans 1.16. And let's read it together. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. For the Jew first and also for the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. And as it is written, the saved, the righteous, the just shall live by faith. Mother Teresa said this, preach the gospel, preach the gospel, preach the gospel. And whenever necessary, use words. I believe our whole life should preach the gospel. Amen. The next one, go to this scripture, Ephesians 2, 8, 9. Remember I told you? And you would say, how are we saved? By grace. What is that? God taking the initiative. What is grace? Unmerited, unearned, undeserved favor. Meaning, I could have never worked for it. And here it goes, and I love this scripture. For by grace you have been saved. Through faith. Notice it didn't say you're saved by faith through grace. You can't flip that. We're saved by grace through faith. And that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, least anyone should boast. The results of being saved, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should live in them, walk in them. We need to have the salvation fruit being expressed in our everyday lives. And then last scripture, you'd say how our confession. Go to Romans, and we're going to do this just in a moment. Go to Romans chapter 10, and we're going to look at verses 9 and 10. How are we saved? The gospel, grace, and yes, your mouth has something to do with it. Your mouth has something to do with it. That if you or I confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Now, you've heard this. No, my faith's private. Mm. Maybe too private. 
because no one even knows you're saved. And let me just address something real quick. I know some Protestants really cringe about the thought of the Catholic idea baptizing an infant. And they may say that's wrong thinking. I wonder what's worse, a Catholic baptizing an infant or a Baptist accepting Christ at the age of three, never even knowing what they're being saved from, thinking they're being saved from hell. So they get saved at three, baptized at five, start backsliding when they're in the Christian school in ninth grade, then live for the devil for the rest of their lives. But dear God, I'm saved. And I'm thinking, what were you saved from? Was it just hell? Was it this evil culture? And I've seen it as a youth pastor where they have to have two sets of music, two sets of clothes, two sets of speech. The Christian music when they're around their mom and dad, the real music they listen to when they're with their friends. I want to be saved from me. Come on. And, and it's not private. You do say something. Amen. And we really do believe that. Now, next week, we'll answer this question. What am I saved for? Salvation is for me, but it also should flow through me to others. Will you stand up with me? I want to read the Nicene Creed, just the beginning. Will you watch me? This is so good. This is better than anything on Netflix, I am telling you. They need to put this on YouTube. Here it goes. Watch me. Just watch. I believe in one God. I do. The Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all things visible and invisible, I believe in the one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, born of the Father, before all ages. Get this. God from God, light from light, True God from true God, begotten, not made, consubstantial. That means his substance is with the Father. Through him, all things were made for us men, and that means women, for our salvation. He came down from heaven and was by the Holy Spirit incarnate of the Virgin Mary and became man. And with that, I'm eternally grateful, and that is how I am saved. Amen. I'm saved. I'm saved. I'm saved from me, and I'm no longer dead, and I'm not hopeless because he quickened me, and he made me alive. But let me tell you, I've been saved, but my mind's still being saved. And my mouth is really having a crusade and an altar call. My mouth and mine are going through a Billy Graham crusade moment. Come on. Can you say amen? And he will save me. He will save me. He will save my body one day. And everything I don't like or gives me ailment in this physical body one day, perishable, will put on imperishable, mortal will put on immortality, and then my salvation will forever be complete. Amen? Now, this is what I want to do. Accepting Christ is anything but private. And I think in the days gone by, 
trying to make everyone feel so comfortable. Maybe the comfort lulls them back to sleep. Mr. Fuqua just lets him stay in an eternal sleep separate from God. Today, with a loud voice, I want to say today is the day of salvation. Today, right now, is the day of salvation. And salvation is trusting God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, and all your being. And if you trust him and believe in him that the Lord has been raised from the dead by the glory of the Father through the power of the Holy Spirit and you believe that in your heart and you say it with your mouth with no mouth confession or a public declaration then salvation remains. It's like a child in a mother's womb that it will miscarry on you and you'll realize why you never had the power or the person to live the saved life. I'm not living my life anymore. Christ is living in me. So I'm going to count to three. And if you need to give your entire heart to Jesus Christ. And when you lift your hand, it's a public declaration. Hey, yeah, I don't want to live dead anymore. Are you with me? So on three, you're going to lift your hand, one, and you're going to say, I'm fully responding to God. Not just Sunday, not just forgiven, not just getting rid of guilt. No, I'm going to become a new person. Two, and on three, you will publicly say, no, I believe, because it's not private, it's public. Jesus didn't die privately, he died publicly for you. On three, right now, you need to give your whole heart to Jesus Christ. Raise your hand there, 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 there. There, come on, shout, stomp, clap in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Come on. Hey, angels, rejoice over one being saved. One. One. Now I want everyone to pray this prayer out loud with me. Say, Jesus, I believe, I trust you with all my heart, with all my mind. I give you my life. Forgive me, but come in and save me. Save me from me. And God, I thank you. I am saved by grace through faith. And I trust you. Can you give the Lord another shout and hand clap? We so appreciate you spending time with us. If you'd like to invest into what God is doing through City Church California, you can go to our website, citychurchca.com, and click Give. Thanks again, and we hope to see you at one of our campuses this Sunday.